If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friend, welcome back to In The Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. For y'all who don't know, your girl was an athlete growing up. That's right. I mean, if you've seen me, then you're going to guess immediately. I get this all the time. No matter where I am, somebody says, oh, did you play volleyball? Did you play basketball? They know because they see me in my six foot stature. Yes, those were my main sports. I played volleyball and basketball, but honestly, I have an affinity for all sports. Like literally when the Olympics are on, my TV doesn't turn off during those two weeks. <laughs> that is how much I love watching sports, especially with my kiddo. Now, given my background as an athlete, and I have friends who played professionally or retired, and I have friends in various supporting roles in the sports industry. For me, it's often frustrating to see the world limit athletes to the position that they play on the court or the pitch or wherever they're performing. When the reality is there is so much depth to the player that is often unseen and there's a depth to the team of people supporting that athlete to help him or her create a legacy that will last long after their playing time comes to an end. Today, I have two guests, Aaron and Andre Eanes, and these twin brothers are helping athletes create a brand beyond the game. Their sports and entertainment agency represents athletes like Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, Cleveland Browns cornerback Denzel Ward, Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones, Denver Nuggets guard Bones Highland, just to name a few. I love Bones, by the way. He's such a stand-up guy. Love that kid. But anyway, let's on to the show. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you? Pretty good. Doing great. Good. So glad to have you all here. Appreciate that intro, Karen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know how to come with it. Come with it. Yeah, definitely killed it. <laughs> well, this is an area that I just love to chop it up the most. Like talking about sports, anything in the the world of athletics is is so much fun for me because it's just it's a part of a part of who I am. But before we get into this business yeah. side, I'm just going to go ahead and zoom right into childhood. What was it like growing up in the Eanes house? Actually, I'm going to start with you, Andre. Give, give us a little insight. <laughs> <laughs> that That's hilarious. I mean, you know, that's, that's interesting. I mean, growing up in the Eanes household was interesting because, you know, we had very entrepreneurial parents, you know, so they were always, you know, working. Right. But it, it wasn't I would say it wasn't the parents that were like that would work and like not and just not be home. They would just bring us mm. with them like we would be in the back of the office, we'd be doing a lot of things. And, you know, Aaron has a few funny stories I'm sure he can tell, but, you know, I always remember a briefcase and my mom always talks about it to this day. We were just at Thanksgiving, you know, and she was talking about, you know, how I used to carry around a briefcase <laughs> and, you know, act like I was going to work. And, you know, you know, meanwhile, her and our dad were kind of running the family business. What was the, the family time. business? So, I mean, so Burger yeah. King, my, they owned a French, they own several franchises of Burger King back in, back in Cleveland, Ohio. So, uh, pretty much everyone on the east side of Cleveland, mm. you know, our, our family was responsible for building, uh, which is always very dope to see every time we drive past yeah. one, you know. So, so you were a businessman yeah, as no, a youngster is what I'm hearing. I was, I was, I mean, that's what, that's the stories I get told. I mean, I, I you know, I, I remember, I remember a lot of it, you know, and I remember always having that, that briefcase around and, you know, always like, you know, doing what I can do to make ends meet around the house. And like, you know, we would do things for our dad, get allowance, you know, from that. And like, I remember what he used to give us, like, you know, if we got A's, B's and C's on a report card, it was a different level of income we'd be able to receive yeah. based so on listen, that. I 
actually like, love that. I absolutely love that. And I yeah. remember people talking about growing up. I mean, my parents didn't do it. My cousins got that privilege. I was like, that. How, I'm getting A's and B's. What, what, get over here. <laughs> but I, I really thought that was a great incentive because we were always taught when we were younger. And I actually use the same language with my son. The only job you have right now is to learn in school. like, And then have fun. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, have fun. But yeah. your job is to go to school and to focus and to learn as much as possible. So I love that they tied that financial component to it for you all. But yeah, no. And then they would like, we wouldn't even like get most of the money. We literally go to the bank. It was a local mm -hmm. bank and we'd have to like deposit the money into it and get a little printout of our <laughs> deposit and like track that kind of stuff. So like, you know, that was a, you know, valuable lessons, like at a very young age that they used to, our, you know, our mom and dad used to make us save money, invest yeah, money. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it's very funny how those things. Well, I see Aaron up. over here laughing. I'm well, sure I, you're. I wish I would. I wish I, I wish I would have kept my <laughs> Disney stock when I Man. was <laughs> my Disney, my Apple, my uh, Coca-Cola. Oh, they had you all <laughs> really fine. into financial literacy. Oh, yeah. no, we would buy it. was like 800 stock. bucks, though. It was yeah, like 800 yeah, was, bucks divided amongst but, uh, though. But still, you know what, today, but those stocks would be. I wish I, would, I wish I would have taught me to buy and hold. Because <laughs> 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 I would be making a killing right now. Well, what do you remember <laughs> about your childhood, Aaron? What are some things that stick out about growing up? I, def I definitely remember a lot of that. I mean, I would say the biggest take things I kind of remember were we just weren't really shielded. I would say they were very transparent with everything, their successes, their failures in, in really all parts of life. And I think and I just remember, you know, a few points, you know, our, our house was a, we were very like everyone always thinks me and my brother argue a lot when they're when they when they just meet us when they're around us. And and I would say kind of growing up, you know, we weren't really the type of family that was just like, oh, kiss and make up. It's like if you have a point of view, say it right. If you have, you know, if, if especially with me. And I always hear like they'd always say I should just be a lawyer because I don't try to find the gray area. And I'm just like, look, you know, you if you're going to say something, you better it's, it's either black or white or there's, you know, you know, if you give me a little bit of room, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to, you know, pull yeah, that thread that and figure out what's, you know, what, yeah, what, where's the edge, right? So I think, you know, I think that's how you learn. But it's also, you know, it's a constant debate, right? We're twins, right? So like, you know, you would always be around each other, be together, be like, but we were very different. And I think, you know, just the, you know, I, I think with my mom and her kind of her background and her, my dad's background, especially for me, it was like, I needed to know the why. Right. So my favorite question was why. Right. And then at the same time, they would also very like, they were just very like, Hey, you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so I think the biggest thing I remember was, you know, like, you know, stories like that, taking us to the Burger Kings, but also, you know, as we got older, you know, when our dad, you know, went into some hard times with that business and transitioned out of that business, we were able to see kind of, you know, how that looked. And, you know, I just remember him taking us to uh, different, you know, he got into contracting work and started, you know, building houses, which was hilarious when I look back at it, because he was someone who never wanted to work on anything period. Um, he always wanted everything brand new. And so I was like, how do you go from, you know, running franchises to getting into, you know, home re like basically building homes and you've had zero experience <laughs> <laughs> at it at all. And so finally seeing him be able to find a way in that was great. And then I remember, you know, he would take us to another, and, and in that business, unlike I would say franchises, it's very, I would say kind of similar to what our business is. It's, it's a, it's a people business. It's a relationship business. It's a service business. So it's not like, Hey, you do the work, you automatically get paid. You know? And I just remember a few times he took us to a few million dollar houses that were owned by, you know, extremely wealthy people and they just wouldn't pay. 
And he was just like, and I just remember him saying like, look, just because they have all the money in the world doesn't mean they're a good person. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to, you know, collect, 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 right. You, you know, there's really no recourse. And, and so that stuck with me a lot. And then we also, you know, it also stuck with me a lot how, you know, he was very, uh, you know, aggressive in a lot of the stuff that he would do. And so we took a lot more of a conservative approach. I mean, being around sports, you get a lot of opportunities presented and you get a lot of, I would say, ideas Mm -hmm, presented. mm -hmm. And so I would always say, you know, starting the business, like, how do we just keep the main thing, the main thing? If I spend X amount of time doing this side hustle or doing that, just to try to make a quick buck, I'm taking time away for something I really care about, Mm. really believe in. And I think that really came from just seeing, you know, firsthand how like that played out for Mm -hmm. my parents. But then also, I just remember something as simple as wanting a dog and having or wanting an allowance, like getting sick of asking our mom for money and basically putting together, you know, an ex, uh, basically a presentation on why it would save her money if she just gave us an allowance. First of all, first of all, I need your parents to put together a parenting handbook. OK, that they came up Man. with like a master class. <laughs> they would sell out those seats immediately from the way you all are shaping or feel shaped by the financial literacy to just the good home training and and obviously the wisdoms of life those little gems that they were dropping along the way uh, i think that's a y'all need to represent them as a parenting coach duo because that would be fantastic <laughs> it, was, it was definitely interesting but i just remember like i was so sick of just asking for like hey can i get a dollar for this can i get five dollars for this and I was just like, man, you just put us on allowance. And she was like, all right, if you think I should put you on allowance, you know, why? And so we basically were like, hey, you know, we spend X amount of dollars per day and you give us that and you, it's over. You're actually going to have a fixed cost versus a variable one. Yeah. So she agreed. She, made, and, she, she like made us pay our bills too. Like, yeah. Cell phone, gas. I mean, if it, if it wasn't lunch at school or gas to and from school, it was like, you know, then y'all, you got to figure it out. You want to go hang out at this football game on Friday night? Like put the gas together. I mean, I remember counting change at Applebee's, you know, you know, that was always the thing to do after the games, you know, go to Applebee's, you know, and get one of the two for 20 meals or something. But like, she was definitely a a, a moving force in like how we move today. Like upbringing is very, very important. You know what I mean? Like very important. And, you know, seeing them work. And, you know, I talk to my mom probably every day. I don't care if it's about for five minutes. And like my dad, too. It's like, you know, it's, he always wants to talk about the weather. I'm like that. The most unpredictable <laughs> part of life is the weather. <laughs> right. You know, but it's they they brought they brought a lot of those principles that we kind of live by today at, a, at such a young yeah. age. It's insane. And so what would you say is one of the greatest lessons? And I'll, I actually would love to hear a lesson from each of you that you learned as a child that plays out in your business today. Like, you know, this is something that you learned as a kid or maybe even you saw your, your parents go through. So it was impressed upon you as a child, but something that has shaped the way uh, that you all do business today? And Aaron, I'll actually start with you. I would say the biggest thing was keep the main thing, the main thing, Mm -hmm. right? I think when you have, when you have parents that, well, my mom, you know, she went to college and graduated, but my dad didn't, he was always an entrepreneur. And so he was, you know, one of those, you know, back then, you know, as an African-American getting into franchising, he was one of the only ones. And so, you know, when you look at, you know, fast forward, to, like the one thing I would say, keep the main thing, the main thing, but then also have a very strong team, mm. strong, a strong team you can trust, but also a strong team that knows more than you. And that can add more value to the, to you, because I feel like the biggest downfall, you know, for my dad in business was he was probably the smartest one in the room. 
besides my mom. But at the same time, you know, she was she handled the books for Cle- like the Cleveland locations, and he, he, then he had other people handling for his Atlanta locations. And so I see like a lot of the stuff that he went through, and then I look at the team that he had around him, and the, you know, the question was, you know, were you were you a taking proper advice, but then b, you know, were you getting proper advice? And I think I'm fortunate that you know we I do have a brother that's a partner of mine because like you know you already have that built in level of trust. But then at the same time, we're very different and we have very different objectives. We have very, very different outlooks, views, Um, but then we also have yeah yeah, skills, but then we also have a very different, diverse team. And the one thing we really look for in team or, or people we work with within our business and without is, you know, their experience, because at the end of the day, we're getting into a lot of areas that we're not experts Mm -hmm. in. And so we need to make sure we, you know, take the time to find who those experts are, or at least people who are going to find the answer and the solutions and present them in a way that we can mm-hmm. understand. And I think that's the biggest way I would say that the biggest learnings I took just because, you know, you're not going right. to know it all, especially in today, you know, right. It was way easier 10, 20 years ago to kind of, I would say, quote unquote, know it all because, you know, information flow was different. Just knowledge was different. But now, especially if you just look at the sports landscape, you know, guys are big businesses. And there's a lot of different industries they play in from media, technology, business, fashion, you name it, that are always mm-hmm. changing. And so I think that was the biggest thing I learned was, you know, make sure you have a very strong team, but make sure you have a competent team because you, the advice that you're going to get is going to be invaluable. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What what was it for you, Andre? It was the biggest lesson that kind of shapes how you how you operate in business today. Man, it's a lot, you know, a lot of different lessons. I think if if I'm like hone in on one, it would be like me playing sports. So I played AAU basketball. Man, I don't even know, maybe all the way from fifth grade, all the way through high school, played a little bit in college as well. And like, you know, started out, you know, one of the best players around. Right. And, you know, as time went on, I kind of got creeped down and down further on the bench and it it came, but it was always about the team. It was always about winning. It was always about, it doesn't matter what I needed to do. What it was I expected to do. If I'm going to get in the game, I'm going to do what I do. You know, I would come in, score 15 points, go back to the bench. Like I was a scorer. I didn't play any defense. (laughs) All all my friends that are probably going to hear this are going to understand everything, but I, I knock a three pointer down if they needed quick scoring, I'm doing it, you know? So play with the same team, you know, for a long time. I mean, we were like brothers, right? It was all the way from fifth grade to ninth grade. Then we all split up and go to different colleges. But I even went to a college, you know, with the with the with a friend of ours. His name is Del Von Rowe, and who who was on that AAU team with me all of those years. You know, so going to you know the school we went to, Saint Edward High School. Shout out to them; they just won the state. Oh, let's go! Let's uh, go! Uh, <laughs> but back going to back. there, back to back, <laughs> okay. back to back. Let's go right. for that three piece. Exactly. <laughs> But like, you know, going to school with him and like picking to go there and playing basketball there was probably the best experience ever. Ed's was amazing. We got to meet a lot of people and it kind of really honed in our focus on like what we wanted to do in the sports space. We had a lot of friends going to major D1 schools, playing major D1 sports, you know, Ohio States, Iowa's, the Michigan States. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? It was one of those things where it's like we knew there was something there. Right. And how do we build upon that? I mean, I remember we we even interned with the Indians one time to kind of get an idea on what that would look like, you know, as a high school project. Mm. You know what I mean? So it was always kind of in the back of our mind to like, how can we be involved in sports? We have these friends getting into sports at a high level and we want to stay attached to it. But it also rewinds all the way back to Burger King again, because our dad's first investors were some Browns players, some Indians mm. players. Right. They did a lot of deals together. So we were kind of ingrained in that in that space subconsciously and not really mm-hmm. even knowing it. 
And then adding my mom, going back to the game, she would literally be at every single game, never missed a game. And like, I can never remember her not being at a game, no matter where we went, right? What she was going through, what she had to do. She would scrape up change to drive to Florida so we can make to the AAU national championships, all of that. And it's like, even when, like I would be the 10th, 11th man on the bench and she is out there cheering and going absolutely nuts. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm playing, right? But it just kind of feeds into that narrative that I like to like think about a lot is like, it doesn't matter where you are on the team. You got to play your role. You got to do the best you possibly can and and make sure the whole entire team wins. So like, we're really, you know, to Aaron's point, we're really a big team concept focused company, right? And we're finding people that can do things we can't do. Because if you can do things that we can do, it's like, this is great, but it's like, we're going, we're not moving, you know, in a positive direction. It's just kind right, of linear, right, you know right. what I mean? So so I would say, yeah, that was, that'd be my, you know, biggest thing I took from being, you know, uh, being a kid, like even when like I was, I went from being the best to like the bottom of the bench, don't give up. You're still mm-hmm. in this team, be a solid part of this team, you know, win championships. I think I was like most improved player, like three years in a row in high <laughs> school. And like, you know, I mean, I can dive into that. I mean, I played freshman, I played JV as a freshman and played JV as a junior too. Like, so it was all, you know, it was never really panned out how I wanted it to pan out, but you know, I still have the same friends from the Mm -hmm, team, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of what we do now is because of that, you know, so I always look back on that process, man. I went to Cincinnati because of basketball, you know, kind of the ripple effect and, you know, got closer with Travis at Cincinnati, build that relationship with him. And, you know, yeah. And what I think is interesting though, is like something that I wish I knew when I been, when I finished playing uh, volleyball, And people were like, oh, you're going to go to school. You're going to play. I was like, no, because I don't see a career beyond me playing in college. And when I'm in college, it's going to be a full time job. So I might as well just spend that energy focus on the studies that would turn into. I didn't even know. Honestly, I was like, what should I uh, what should I major in communication? I love to talk like I didn't even know what I was going to do with it. Right. But but had I thought from a more broad perspective as you did in that moment was like, okay, I may not be in this world as an athlete, but I can still play a role in this space that I love to be in most. And I am curious how you all decided or at what point you decided that you were going to, to take the management route, because that is something that to have that clarity very early on is a a massive blessing because now you're getting in the trenches early and you can learn as you go, as opposed to maybe waiting, which again, Hey, this is a second career for somebody. Great. Fantastic for you. But the way that you all were able to dive in at an early age, I think is incredibly unique. So how did each of you find your way into this agency management kind of piece? Aaron, we can start with you. Yeah, I would say it was probably my sophomore year of high school, mainly because again, growing up, you know, I was kind of always like the business guy. <laughs> I mean, Andre talks about stories when I would walk around, you know, Burger Kings at, I don't know how old mom, I'd be, you know, asking people what they're doing. And I'd be like, you better, you know, shape up. I'm going to be fired. Probably not the right thing to say. They made my sandwich wrong or something. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, what, it, what it did is I would always just like watch my dad and I would just see like how he was moving. And and I would see the, the, the cool thing about just franchising in general and like a lot of businesses is they force you to learn everything. Mm-hmm. The, the thesis is like, if you're going to get into something, you got to know what everyone does. And so 
I was just always, I mean, back in the day when, you know, franchise mode would come out on video games, I was never actually playing the video games. I was always like building the teams and stuff like that, you know? And so like, I was always kind of like, I knew every single thing about every single player, like NFL draft was like my Super Bowl. Like I would print out millions of, you know, documents on just every single player. We had to get separate game systems because of this, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to actually, like want to play. I wanted game. to play. I wanted to yeah, play. I'm like, why are you doing this playing the game? Was kind of like secondary. <laughs> so like I was. So like my our from my friend Del Vaughn, who you know Andre mentioned, you know he was like the best player in the country. We all knew it. Like he was supposed to be one and done. And so he was like, oh, you should just be my manager. And I'm like, what? The Wait, that was in that? sophomore year. He said that. What we knew was going to oh, go gotcha, pro. Yeah. I mean, so like, so like, well, we assumed he was going to go pro. I mean, injury. If injuries didn't happen, he would have probably gone pro after my first year of college. So I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't know what that means. Uh, And so what it really made me do is to start to think about what that means. And, you know, when I was looking at colleges, I wanted to go to a college that had sports management degree, you know, and we, you know, when we talk, Andre talks about working with the Indians as an intern and then, you know, in college getting, you know, to work with the football programs because I wanted to understand what I'm getting into, you know, Delvon, unfortunately didn't make it pro, but, me going to Bowling Green, me working with the football program, me kind of taking a lot of the lessons that I learned in high school and just working with football camps and and all this stuff. It kind of gave me an idea of what the industry was. And then I you know, also put together a business plan based on the industry. So I actually really knew kind of from a business perspective what the industry looked like. And so it was pretty much, you know, when it, in college, I started, had the idea sophomore year of like, okay, like I'm going to be a manager, right? Whatever that means. And then, you know, once after my freshman year of college, I really knew kind of the idea because we had, I was, a, I was a basically didn't want to take accounting classes. And I thought, cause I'm like, I'm going to hire this person. So why do <laughs> I need to, to be a business major oh, when man. you're going to have all these math classes? It just Already no working so smarter and not major. harder. I love it. So I, that's the best model ever. Right. So I was a sports management major, which allowed me to do like a lot of I would honestly say sports management back then was kind of ticket. Like you, you're working for a job to be in tickets. The first thing they said when you walk into class, is not about what you know about who you know. And I was like, well, I don't need to be here because I know a lot of people. And so it was just like, all right, thanks. Well, this is going to be an easy major. But what it, what it, my minor was entrepreneurship. And I had a, a great, I would say teacher that basically said, pitch your idea to the class. If the class buys your idea, they're going to help you work on it. First year as a freshman, I wasn't confident enough to do that. Second year, I, there was a lot of people in there that were associated with, you know, musicians and and other people that are now actually like working with some of the biggest sports companies in in in, in sports that were in my class. And you know, really, I kind of pitched the idea of a management company for athletes. Mm-hmm. And so really thinking about it from music, because, you know, growing up, we had a lot of people that I can kind of look to, whether it was the Kid Cuddies, the MGKs, the, you know, the LeBron and what he was doing with his friends at the time with LRMR. You know, so I had examples of people that were doing something, but it wasn't necessarily management, but it was, but especially, but in music, it was, and there wasn't really that in sports from my perspective. So that's really when you know, sophomore year of college is when I really started putting a business plan together, using the free resources of a college to to get all the industry reports because like they were not yeah. cheap. 
I mean, like figuring out what a NAICS code was and all that other stuff just to really research the industry. And I saw through that research that it was a very fragmented industry. The biggest companies in the industry had a 3% market share, which was, you know, nothing. And then ultimately was based on relationships. And we had a lot of friends that played at all the big 10 schools. We had friends that played in basketball. So, you know, my junior year is when I launched the business of it, you know, and really just started hitting up everyone we know saying, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we, how we're doing it. This is what we want to do. And that's how, how oh, it started, man. you know, and that, and there, the rest yeah, is you history. Had so much clarity at a young age. I am jealous. I'm just telling you right now, there's a lot of jealousness. <laughs> well, I mean, Andre doesn't, Andre doesn't tell the story. Like he went to Cincinnati for like an NAIA basketball thing. And I'm like, look, you know, hey, are you trying to- I was, I was about oh, to tell, tell it, that Andre. Story. Hold like, on, we'll you... switch gears. Go ahead. Go ahead. First of all, he says I don't tell it, but I, I do tell it. But you know, let me, I mean, look, I, I went to. I, I was telling about my basketball story. Like I was going to, I was going to play professional basketball. I mean, like I didn't. No one was going to tell me otherwise, right? So, like when Aaron brought up the management thing, I'm like, great, you're managing me too. You know, like so that was kind of like always my thought process, right? But. You know, I'll never forget senior year of high school. Delvon goes down, gets hurt. Uh, you know, a couple other starters go down. So I stepped up and played a major role that year. We lost one game, made it to the state championship and lost in the state championship. So like I'm coming off a good, pretty good senior year. You're like so, three years you know, of most improving. Most, now I'm MVP, y'all. I'm ready for the league. You, you feel <laughs> like, so, you know, we get, so I go to college. I go to this, NI, it's a division two NAIA school. It's a branch campus of the University of Cincinnati. So I was able to stay on campus at UC, go to practice on the branch campus, go to classes on the branch campus. Then, you know, when the season was over, the plan was to go take my classes at the campus, stay on campus and, you know, come back for practice and whatnot. So, First, you know, senior year in high school, first game was on ESPN. We played against Drew Holiday, who's still in the NBA doing crazy things. Uh, Tom, you know, Tom Izzo was there. It was 11,000 fans, all St. Edward High School fans, because, you know, Drew Holiday's team was from California. We ended up winning that game, you know, and then the season it was the season. Freshman year in college, man, first game, it was in a bubble. You know, it was like four people in the stands. And I feel like the four people in the stands were one of my homies, Justin Staples, who played for the Titans for a long time. He drove down from Illinois for the game. Aaron, I feel like you were there too. And like mm-hmm. our, another friend, Javon, you know, it was terrible, you know? So like, that was the moment where I was like, okay, yeah, this is not going to be a long-term thing. So my sophomore year, no, the end of my freshman year after basketball, I transferred to the University of Cincinnati, changed my major to sports administration and kind of, you know, went down that path uh, to, to kind of be in that business. But while in college, I started a, a a talent management company, right? I went to Aaron. I'm like, you know, here's the idea on the sports side, but I want to do this on the entertainment side. So I became an alpha, you know, started throwing parties, started doing events. And I, my first, our first client, Aaron, I don't know if you remember this, is was DJ Magnificent. He was a DJ in the city. You know, I would create his contracts, book him at local venues, you know, charge 20% or whatever. You know, it would be like 60 bucks at the end of the night. But like, you know, it was just more about like that, that motion of like representing somebody, right? And saying, hey, okay, you're going to, my client brings this amount of crowd, you know, he should be getting paid this, you know, and then managing him transition and me actually promoting the parties when, you know, Aaron spoke of Kid Cudi, you know, Kid Cudi's business manager is Dennis Cummings. He went to the University of Cincinnati and was a big mentor of mine in the event management party promotion space. And so he, you know, had me start promoting with him, you know, and then when he made his transition and Cudi started blowing up, he left to L.A. And it was kind of like all on me to kind of continue with the events and whatnot. So, like, we went from booking the DJs for the events and representing the DJs to 
actually throwing the events, booking the venues and doing all that stuff too. Like I think it was what ANA Entertainment, you know, way back then. We kind of yeah, something like that. You know, and you know, and obviously dissolved that company, but like it kind of fed into like being involved in sports and like how like me and Travis got close was he was roommates with one of my high, one of my middle school friends. And like, you know, we were just, you know, hanging out, getting ready for the parties. And like, it was always my party we were headed to. So, you know, VIP, you know, you know, skip the line, all those things, right. That like everyone and all, you know, athletes, you know, get that attention they get when they're, you know, playing a sport and come to the club, you know, Travis was getting that. The other teammates are getting that Sean Kilpatrick, Lance Stevenson, you know, I can name, you know, Bengals players started coming to my parties and things like that. So like, it was always like, okay, here's how I'm involved right now you know, in the sports management space and how I can, you know, you know, build those types of relationships. But I remember like it was yesterday, I had a daughter, you know, today's her 10th birthday. Happy birthday, mama. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. Her name is Kennedy. And she, you know, she was born in 2012, which was the same year we secured an investor, started, started recruiting for ANA, signed Travis that year as well. And it was like, okay, ANA can build and grow, but I need to work a job. Like I need to pay for, my daughter, you know what I mean? So I started working at a bank called Huntington Bank, right? Went through that whole system, became licensed as a financial advisor with them. But what they told me was I was not able to throw and have my event management business anymore if I wanted to represent people throwing, you know, you know, investing their money. Mm, you know, at the time I was super young. I was like mm-hmm. 22, you know, 21. I probably would have pushed back mm-hmm. today, kind of been like, wait a minute. But there's a different like mindset when you have a child, right? You're like, okay, I will sacrifice yeah. to the ends of the earth to provide. Yeah. And in channeling my childhood, like what I wanted to do was help mm-hmm. manage money, help mm-hmm. invest, right? And do the the little things that matter to kind of get you to that long-term wealth. You know, so I got licensed as a financial advisor, made the transition to private wealth management, you know, worked on a team and kind of understood the long-term strategies and planning and all that goes into that. But all on the back of my mind, understanding like ANA management is being built, you know, working with Aaron and strategizing with him. And how can we work with athletes on the financial side, but also on the marketing side and in that kind of tag teaming approach? I mean, so for the, you know, we've been in business, what, 12 years you know, I'd say from eight of those 12 years, you know, I worked a career in finance, you know, so. Well, and even though it may have felt like this is a, a sidestep, it actually plays perfectly into the part, well-rounded yes. rounded approach that you all give uh, from your management. Because what a lot of people don't know who, who aren't in the sports industry is how many people really surround one athlete and they're in their own yeah. specialty. But what's so unique about this is being an, an all-encompassing agency, if you will, is you're not just there about what whatever their contract is. You're not just there from the financial on managing. You're not just there from the brand deals. You are from this umbrella state where you can you know, oversee that to make sure that there's continuity within the brand, but to have that knowledge and that background for both of you, which it's could be very, it is very different, but so complimentary, which now that makes more sense to me why this works so well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the biggest, I feel like the biggest issue with a lot of, I would say just the biggest issue in the space is people aren't coordinated, mm-hmm. right? Everyone has their little feet. Super disjointed. You know, everyone has their little, yeah. And I think that disjointedness is what, I don't know the word, but like. We're going to roll with it. Just, the, the disjointed <laughs> right. nature. Yeah, right. The, the, just, the disjointed nature of kind of that is what allows for our, you know, athletes to be taken Absolutely. Advantage because, you know, everyone doesn't know what's yep. going on. And, and so I think, you know, the biggest thing for us is, you know, making sure that, everyone that comes into the orbit, they have, they understand what Mm -hmm. they're doing. And then the, 
more importantly, the client, their families, the people that matter to them understand what's going on and understand where things are, how things are, are going, because, you know, that's ultimately what it's here for. Absolutely. Now, when we're building a business, we know this from being entrepreneurs, we experience so many hurdles, so many setbacks, so many obstacles, right? I mean, it sounds like you all were perfectly positioned, but I know that there is no perfect when it comes to all of this, right? So so what is one hurdle Man. that you all had to overcome when you were establishing yourself as a management company? And Andre, I'll go to you first. No, I mean, it, it's been a, a 50 million hurdles. <laughs> I mean, from from like strategic partnerships that went wrong to trying to sign clients. I mean, you know, we have a roster of 14 clients and like, I would say in 2018, maybe Aaron, 19, we only had two, you know? So it's, you know, we went years of like, you know, my agent will handle that, or you guys are too young, or, you know, mm -hmm. you guys don't know what you're doing. And, or, you know, you know, my agent, you know, the, my agent will handle that was always, you know, what we got. And, you know, so I would say those were, were, were major hurdles, but, you know, I'd say for me, one of the biggest hurdles, I'd literally had to take a step back and say, you know, we want to build this business. Right. And like, you know, we were, I was going out to Kansas city and things like that, but I was like, I can't keep doing this and like be in my daughter's mm -hmm. life. You know what I mean? So I think the biggest hurdle for me was to be able to make that decision to say, hey, I built a party promotion business and I was making probably six figures doing it. Right. And saying, OK, well, should I focus on becoming a business wealth manager long term or should I be a party promoter, in, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio? And like that was a tough time for me because financially drastically changed. You know, I went from, you know, being super comfortable to being like, okay, I'm going to give up the party thing and focus on what my life could be long-term and like income changed drastically with a kid, you know, and all the things that come with that, you know? So I think, you know, that was one of the biggest hurdles that I'll never forget, you know, especially with today being when you were navigating that, how did you find your own clarity? Was it just because you had the responsibility of a child? Because I think so often we do get caught up in trying to figure out what is the best, you know, solution to this? What is the best answer? And then we kind of lose sight of, okay, well, or no, I'm sorry. What I think happens, we look for the exact right answer instead of just trying to figure out what's the best thing that I can do. Like I'm flipping those words because I think that that slight difference is important. So the internal dialogue that you had to go through to figure out what was the best option for you, what did that look like? It's that's a great question. I haven't, you know, really sat and reflected that, but if, you know, if I'm had to think about it, it was like, I, this is my daughter, right? Like I look, I look back at like how our parents were, you know, it was always constantly teaching us lessons and showing us things and doing this and doing that. And I also, you know, I, I, I had the foresight to say, okay, how can I build long-term wealth and be a part of what me and my brother have already been talking mm. about, right? We don't, we don't, you know, throwing the party and throwing events was fun. You know, it was great. Which by the way, is a form of Miss Black wasn't... and Gold. Alphas do throw the best parties, but that's okay. That's a side note. That's yes. a side note. <laughs> yes. But that's the day, you know, we could, that's, a, you know, that's another thing, you know, I can get on that, but like, yeah, like it was, it was like, oh, this was fun. I did this in college, you know, but you know, we have a real thing here, right? I mean, at the time we had somebody willing to give us money to build out a, &A yeah. management, you know what I mean? It didn't, it didn't go that way. Right. But that was at 21, 22 years old. So like we knew something was there. Right. So it was just more about, okay, let me spend the rest of my working career, figuring out things that can help me do that. that. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it, it, the, I would say I had Kitty was three or four when, when I had to make mm -hmm. the decision to become a financial manager or uh, be a, be a party promoter. So it was, it was kind of ran yeah. its course, you know? So most of it was like a, 
I don't know, maybe the foresight came from, you know, the, just the parents and the upraise, upbringing that we had, you know, to, to, to not look at things so short-sightedly and, and see the full picture. Um, you know, but that's what I would attest yeah. that to. And Aaron, so, what, what would you say is the biggest obstacle you had to overcome in just trying to establish yourself in this management company? Uh, I think age was mm-hmm. a big one. I think um, understanding how to get paid mm. was a big one. Uh, no network was another big with one. no network how did you then start to build it because that's another thing is people will have i mean we i've had a list of excuses in my own mind thinking i don't know enough people or the right person is going to break me out and this is going to happen so how did you navigate when you didn't feel like you had the network to continue on that growth path i mean i think it goes back to you know i was fortunate to you know be young and dumb and not you know not afraid of you know, not making any money. Right. Cause you now I worked a separate job, you know, cause we, we didn't get paid the first pretty much four years. I mean, we didn't make money. I mean, Travis was a third round pick in Kansas city, Ohio, who didn't play his rookie year. So he made literally zero money for us year one. And we had another client who was a fourth round pick who the first year we signed him, you know, he got cut and put on practice mm-hmm. squad. So at that time we had a retainer model. So we were making a little bit of money, very little bit of money. But by the time you visit someone once or twice, basically all the money they pay you for the year is mm-hmm. gone. Right. And so like it, we really, so, you know, I was putting all the little money I was making, you know, working in banking as a personal banker into the business just to pay for travel, just to pay for, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. But like I was fortunate in, and like I said, in college, I worked with the football program and that allowed me to meet, you know, NFL coaches, allowed me to meet NFL GMs, NFL mm-hmm. scouts. Um, it, then I went to the Cleveland Browns and interned there while for the, my final two years of college. And I was able to meet players and I was able to meet their advisors and I was able to meet and I was able to, s- to meet their families and see that, you know, what I thought would happen wasn't actually happening. And Joe Hayden, you know, our, one of our most recent clients, he was actually one of the first athletes I met. And, you know, at that time I was too young. Right. You know, and so it it was the one of the best, you know, it was it was a cool moment to, to actually like have him be like, I want to work with you because, you know, Joe Hayden was basically there was LeBron James in Cleveland and then there was Joe Hayden. Right. LeBron James left. Joe Hayden came in and filled that void. And Joe Hayden has the one of the best personalities you'll ever meet. He's one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet, you know, but he had a, he had new agents at the time. Uh, he was 21. Mm-hmm. He was a top five mm-hmm. pick. And, you know, I would say the difference, I would say my, my, in my mind, one of the biggest differences that I would say, you know, I thought about was like, how do I actually make this a business? Mm-hmm. And he and I didn't have friends that were just working mm-hmm. with me. Like we got our first client through a, re- a friendship of ours uh, who played at Ohio State. But we had to pitch the guy. We had to pitch him to why we should work with him, what value we're going to add. Same thing with Travis. Andre and Travis had a friendship. But one of the things he said was you guys were a you were there when I was in my lowest point. But then also you guys actually had a plan for what you thought my career could be. And so I think it when you look at when I look at working with a player, it's basically creating a business model individually for the player and giving them a kind of a business plan of what we think their career can be. And at the time, and I think it's kind of funny looking, you know, I'm not saying really anything different today than I was saying back then. I just have actually proven Mm. it. And, you know, being able to actually have a real business plan, I can point back to, like, if you read the business plan and where the business is today, I mean, whether it's the external partners I thought we should have or whether it's, you know, the service model, really the only thing changed is we got rid of a retainer model because that was also a very big hurdle. 
right? And at the time, being young, inexperienced, really nothing, you know, in management, really being around for athletes, you know, when you're going to someone and saying, hey, work with me, I can do this without a lot of experience, because it'd be like, oh, who's your client? Didn't have a big client list, right? And then at the same time, you're saying, oh, by the way, you have to pay me for my services. They're going to be like, oh, well, my agent handles that. And it'd be like less money than they would spend at the bar in a week for the month. But at the same time, that was foreign mm-hmm, to them. Mm-hmm. So, and honestly, there was a, there was a lack of education I, I'm, at this time as you all yeah. were coming up because the agent was supposed to be the person who is overlooking everything. But then when you get into this, this world, you realize that, no, there's actually a lot of moving parts, especially if you want to have a legacy that goes beyond the game. Oh, hundred percent. But I th- also think, I think that the reason television is a funny thing. Like I love television, but like Jerry Maguire made a lot of people want to be agents. It made a lot of people think of what an agent should be. That's not what an agent should be. An agent is by definition, a contract advisor. Their, their job is to like review okay. and get you the best yep. contract. Yep. Yep. Right. And if you look at their business, what they have to do is like by rules, they have to sign and negotiate contracts or they lose their, basically their license after a few years. So they're, they have to sign new players. So if you have to sign new players, you have to be recruiting. Mm-hmm. So if you're recruiting and trying to sign more and more players, your, your focus isn't directly on the, the relationship. <laughs> 100% of the time for your current mm-hmm. players, because as a business, you just can't mm-hmm. do that. And I saw that, that gap, and that's ultimately what I wanted to fill with the business. Right. And I think that's why, you know, to Andre's point, we weren't really adamant about growing extremely fast because we had to Mm -hmm. prove it. Like that was the biggest thing. We needed to prove what we were talking about. We needed experience. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we needed to really figure out how to make money. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be a a full time job. Well, I will tell you again from my experience and having people in my inner circle who played professional sports that the biggest thing when we talk about their teams being disjointed is also, you know, that lack of transparency between the different professionals who are surrounding them. And and so I love the uniqueness of the positioning that you've taken with this uh, management agency. Uh, But I also feel like there is a uniqueness to your approach and the people that you work with. And I've heard this described as you all, you know, really being heart-based, which I think is a beautiful way to, to put it because it's not just the team that surrounds the athletes that is, you know, they're probably speaking different languages or they could be on different pages, but then add to that their own inner circle, their friends who have a good idea, (laughs) their family who are looking for, you know, a handout. Like I've seen it all. And it really, it, unfortunately it blows my mind because you would think after like the broke, the 30 on 30 broke, like that people would start to pick up on this, that there there's a lot that's happening. That is just, it's not discussed and that the athletes are not prepared for. So again, to have someone like yourselves um, who are able to come in from this more of an umbrella view, I think is, is a, a huge value add, but the clients who you're working with, it's not just that you all are heart-based from what I've seen, knowing the few folks on the roster, they are heart-based also. So I'm wondering, do you have an approach to help your clients really stay true to themselves and not the different voices that are coming at them so they can follow their passions, you know, with, with, with a strategic plan and also with care and consideration. I mean, I would say generally speaking, 
this might be a blanket statement, but I, I feel like most athletes are heart based, right? I feel like the reason they are not heart based is because they've gone through things that have made mm, them not heart based. Yeah. Right. And I feel like if you look at the athlete in general and you're a former athlete and you know a bunch, right? They've been doing one thing their mm. whole life. And then all of a sudden the, it becomes a business. But in their mind, they're still doing the thing they've always done. So it's not that much different. And then you also look at, you got to go by league, but you look at the demographics of the people that are in those leagues and look at where they come from. Right. And then you look at the groups around them. And the one thing about an athlete, a good one, especially in basketball or even a good one in football, if they're coming from an underserved area, they are like, quote unquote, the same. They they play that position of like bringing hope to their community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of in a lot of guys give extreme amount of time, effort, money to make sure those communities that served them are that also so served. True. But at the same time, that could also be a detriment in certain mm-hmm. areas. And so I think the biggest thing that you know we kind of are working on constantly is our process because I think if if we're able to meet with someone, talk with them, talk with their family, talk with their key decision makers, we're able to have a general conversation. And then through those conversations, you're able to understand if it's a good fit Mm -hmm. to work together. And everyone's not a good fit Mm -hmm. to work together. Let's just Mm -hmm. be honest. But at the same time, it still could be a good relationship, you know, for us to have just to be a Mm -hmm. resource. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think for us, it's more about, we want to work with people that, that are really passionate about what they do on the field, on the, Mm -hmm. on the court, but, or, you know, off the court. But then also at the same time, they have a little, they have an idea of what they want their, their, their impact Mm -hmm. to be, whether it's in business, whether it's in the community, whether it's in just life, because at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to, to really help them if they just don't care. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think, you know, we understand of meeting you where you're at, right. When we're working with a young player, we understand their first focus is playing time. Their first focus is trying to understand what it's like to be a Mm -hmm. pro. So our job is to help them make that transition because you go from college, especially in football, I would say in basketball is a little different, but you go from being essentially dictated to of where you need to yep. be, when Schedule's you need to be laid there, out. how you need to be there. Schedule's laid out. You, you wake up, you got your food there, everything to go into the pros where it really takes until the off season of your rookie year to really be hit. Like, Oh my God, what do I do? Because you're you're going from college, you're going through the draft process. It's still kind of like college because everything's dictated. But the minute that you hit the offseason, you have money in your pocket. You have a lot of free time. No one's telling mm-hmm. you what to do. No one's telling you where to be. Right. You're not living in dorms that you could just walk mm-hmm. to practice. So it really is an adjustment for young guys to sometimes for them to make that transition. And so for our from our standpoint, we're trying to connect them with older guys or trying to connect them with, you know, good advisors, trainers, physical therapists, just to help them understand what it's going to take to be a pro. But we've been fortunate. A lot of the guys we work with, they come in as pros. <laughs> and I think, you know, they are very passionate about their craft. And so what that makes us, you know, focus on now is how do we make sure that we're not taking away from their focus and we're educating the people around them on what we want to do and how we want to do it, because those people are going to also be very vital into the success of yeah, that player. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing we learned early was, you know, you'd always hear it's kind of a throw. It, it would be kind of like nonchalant, like, Oh, how do these guys go broke? And it's just like, 
that kind of bothers me because it's like very easy how guys can mm-hmm. go broke, right? I mean, you think about it like you're winning yeah. the lottery, right? Most lottery winners go broke because they're not used to it. They don't have the infrastructure for it. They don't have the knowledge about it. And if you think about families that, you know, come from wealth, there's a lot of sophisticated structures, tax vehicles, you know, legal, I would say, mechanics that you can do that is completely foreign to a lot of people who just who fall in who fall into money or a big break absolutely yeah. absolutely you know and 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 so, and so those and then if you're speaking like that they they probably don't have someone in their circle that understands that so it sounds foreign it, it becomes a risk right i don't want to be taken advantage yeah. of yeah and so they don't yes. do it yeah. right and so i think the biggest thing for us is to make sure that we're educating you know all of our clients along the way on like what they should be doing, but like meeting them yeah. where they're at. If they're not ready for it, they're not ready for it, but they're going to at least be made right, aware. Right, right, right. And Andre, when you think about the future of ANA management, what are you most excited about? I mean, I'm most excited about like, you know, everything Aaron just said, you you did that perfectly, by the way, brother, <laughs> you know, I appreciate, I to, appreciate you know, it's, it's funny because we think about a lot of the same yeah. things and, you know, everything he just said couldn't be more spot on. And like what I'm most excited about the future is like athletes being able to get this, Man, awareness, yeah. this, this level of attention when it comes to understanding that not only do I need an agent, Aaron, you I love that the definition of an agent is contract advisor right like and you get keep me on the field and i'm gonna find somebody that i trust that can deal with all the nuances that of being a professional athlete and like we haven't talked much about our team but when you look at ana management how we're positioned you know with my background in business development and wealth management with aaron's background in marketing and branding and working with closely with nfl teams you know we have somebody on our team her name is danielle she worked at mtv and viacom she does a lot of the digital media strategy and showing like how does your brand turn into a global brand right no matter who you are right and what i love about her is you know, we had a client and I don't know if you want to publish this or not. We can talk about it. But we had a client, Joe Hayden, did something in New York and she's texting me and Aaron like this is going great. This is amazing. And he's like the commissioner of the NFL was there and he was like she, you know, like hugging on him, talking a lot, being happy. And she's texting like, who's this Roger guy? Joe seems to really be happy to see him. You know what I mean? Like so it's not she's not like a super yeah. fan. Right? She's more about I don't care who you are. I don't care what position you play and what mm-hmm. team you're on. I'm going to pull your brand out of you in the best That's way possible, amazing. right? You know, we have a sales you know team. We have, you know, we have a sales person. Named, his name is Joe. He worked in the NFL. You know, he worked in the NBA on the corporate side. So he knows what these teams are looking for, what these sponsors are looking for from a corporate corporate level. And, you know, and Sam, we have somebody named Sam. He came from NFL film. So every video that gets cut up that our, our clients are posting out after they win a game or, or, you know, do something, you know, good on the field or off the field, that's him. You know what I mean? Where he's internal, you know, to us. And then, you know, we have somebody named Sarah. Sarah has been with us. I don't know how long, seventh, eighth grade. I mean, she's, she was the big sister, you know, we used to hang with her sister and she was like the big sister to us growing up. And now, you know, she heads up our community development for all of our clients, whatever, passion, whatever they're passionate about, whatever they want to do in the community, whatever they want to do to give back to the community. She's on the front lines, you know, making sure, you know, we're reaching out to the right people, talking to the right people, finding the right donors, you know, all the paperwork is in order, all, you know, all the things that come with, you know, being able to give back to the community effectively. And, you know, to Aaron's point, athletes can still give back to their families. They can still, you know, give back to their entourage and build companies and, and explore ideas 
with all of their friends if they structure it. And yes. Do it. And I would I'll piggyback on that. And the I would say the key is structuring it the right mm-hmm. way. Right. There's a lot of guys that send Zells out to friends and family. Well, they're they're not thinking about, am I going to hit the giving threshold? Right. And they don't think about, well, when they have kids and they want to leave money to if they already gave all that money, you know, the wrong way, they're going to they're going to have a huge tax down the road. Right. And I think there's so like that's the biggest thing for us is like getting in. And when you talk about like heart, it's really just trying to understand what they're trying Mm -hmm. to do. And if we understand what they want to do, like we're going to figure out a way to make the most efficient possible, because unlike most rich people, athletes are W2 employees. So they're getting screwed from a tax. Yeah. So like it really is like, hey, when everyone's like, oh, like, you know, the most important person in my life is my agent. It should be your Mm -hmm. accountant, because like that's the person who's going to save you so much money. And the way in. Luckily, the NFL has made some changes where guys are not just paid in a 16 week period because, you know, what was happening, you know, from my perspective is guys would get into the league. They'd be all happy and then they would get their tax bill and they'd be like, man, I didn't make any money. And it was just like, yeah, like like they learned about Uncle Sam real quick, but but did not have a a lot of the times they didn't have sophisticated enough, you know, tax advisors that can really give them a lot of the strategies that the ultra wealthy are using because that's Mm -hmm. what they are is Mm -hmm. ultra wealthy. But I feel like a lot of athletes do have good advisors, right? We're not saying they don't, but it's always like, it's not coordinated. And I think the biggest thing thing is with it being coordinated, right? Like I'm able to go to Aaron, I'm saying, and project out marketing deals, revenue coming in and on the business side of the clients that we work with. So then when I'm talking to their advisors and we're putting together plans of like long-term wealth planning and strategy and tax loss harvesting and things like that, we're able to express the non-W-2 income, as Aaron mentioned, that is going to be coming in. So it's like, it's a lot of that, that like, it's amazing. I love our partners and that, you know, we, you know, credit to them for dealing with me and dealing with Aaron and everyone and that we work with, you know, but it's important to have that group that's coordinating everything, whether you're working with that advisor, this advisor, or this agent, or this attorney, or this law firm, like, what we one thing we pride ourselves on is like, you don't have to work with the law firm we tell you to work with. You don't have to work with the advisor we tell you to work with, but we need you to make sure that they're coordinated and, with and what that we this have is in place. With. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and the ones that don't want to coordinate with us, we kind of get weary of because knowledge is power, information is power, right? And if the athlete doesn't know everything going on, what's mm-hmm. the problem? You know, why can't we why can't we have that cohesiveness? Yeah. So you know, there's been a lot of the hurdles too, you know, and I'm excited that that's going to change, you know, kind of moving forward. I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, NIL is a whole nother conversation and, you know, and why I'm excited about that. And, you know, athletes being able to make money in college could potentially stay longer in college and develop as players in college. You know, it's no longer, I need to go to the league to make money. I can do that Mm -hmm. in college, you know? So, you know, so it's a lot to look forward to in this business. Oh my gosh. The future is bright, hands down. And it actually goes back to Aaron, what you said at the very beginning, the lessons you all learned and, and Andre, you spoke into it too. Is like, when you keep the main thing, the main thing, which is actually what you're helping your athletes do. They can focus on the game and everything that comes with it. Cause it's not just when you show up and the clock is ticking, it's their recovery time. It's the meetings that they have and all the other things. So they're able to keep the main thing, the main thing while, which goes to the second 
second point, they have a team around them that they know can trust, who's going to execute in their respective uh, areas and who they will bring their genius that really just helps to uplift and support the ultimate goals of the athletes. So everything, I don't even know if y'all piece that together. So I'm going to tie it back for you. Literally <laughs> what you stand for is exactly how you are helping these folks thrive, which I think is beautiful. I have just one more question in closing for each of you. Rapid fire. What unique strengths, Andre, I'll start with you. What unique strengths does Aaron bring to the business that you are most grateful for? His strategy. Mm. Strategy and long-term planning is is what I'm I'm most grateful That's for. That's awesome. Aaron, what strengths, unique strengths I'm, does Andre bring that you are most grateful for? I would say his personality. And like the reason I would say that is because I am not as good of a people person as my brother. And <laughs> I think he is very good at being direct, being thoughtful, being personable, but at the same time, like takes the time to really understand the why. And so I, it makes my life a little easier when I, especially because, you know, in, in business, you got to be very, you know, nice to a lot of people. You well, work you're in with. the people business. But luckily yes. because of, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So luckily as brothers, like I, like we could speak very freely to get what we need to get accomplished. And then we can communicate that out, you know, the best way possible. So, you know, we do a lot, we talk a lot, especially since we don't live by each other. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that would, that would be, that would be one of his biggest strengths is because like I said, there's a lot of different things going on. And for him to be able to just me not have to focus on, the financial, the insurance, the, all that other stuff, it allows me really to focus on, you know, how are we making our clients money in the here and now? And then he's more focused on how can we make our, how can we make sure our clients money is protected? For oh, the man. Because I think that's ultimately, I mean, my mom, my mom always says it like our, our main goal when we started the business was how do we make sure you don't go broke? How do you, how do we make sure your life after you're done playing is, is still successful. Yeah. And so I think we always are really adamant about, while you're a pro athlete, that's your platform. That's your platform to be introduced to people. That's your platform to make some money. But like, it's really your platform to find your next job because you're going to be 30 to 35 when you're done. If you're lucky, maybe 40, but just kind of, you know, that's old for, for an athlete. But you're going to have to do something for the rest of your life. And hopefully, you know, our clients are able to do something that they're passionate about and some, not something that they Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, this dynamic duo, I just, I am so excited for the places you all are going, the people you are going to help. <laughs> this is a game changer. It really, really is. Again, coming from someone who has known the industry, who's seen the ins and the outs, I absolutely see you all meeting a significant need in the lives of athletes who want to create a legacy and want that sustainable long-term success. So, sending you all so much love, many blessings for continued success. And thank you so much for sharing so many wisdom, uh, key points. And also, can we talk to your parents about the masterclass? Because I feel like we really need to circle back to that. But no, thank you so much for all the wisdom you all have shared today. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate your time. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.